I've been thinking lately is I don't ever want to be in a position where I think I can do these things. Anything. What kind of things, Pastor Paul? Well, anything. Oh, it's simple. I can handle that. No, I need God in everything I do. In everything I do. It's kind of like the word that Diana brought, you know, about time, bringing them into your time, realizing that every minute of every day, it's not, it's not weird. This is just like progression, you know, that for me, I feel like the older I get or the more time goes on, I realize the more I need him in everything I do. And, and you know, it's, it's like um, such a daily thing, such a daily thing, walking with God. Now, I'll say something, you know, and don't take it wrong, but it's not how high we jump on Sundays. It's how straight we walk on Monday through Saturday, including Sunday. Now, again, high jumping is cool. I'll say this, too. I don't profess to be seeker-friendly, but we do say that we are sneaker-friendly at Love Church. Yeah, I know. It's not even Father's Day. Is that dad jokes or what? But anyway, so you know, not a, you know, we want you to express yourself in God. You can run, you can jump, you can dance, but depend on Him every day, every day, every day, every day. Some of the greatest manifestations are simply walking out God in your life. Walking them out, pulling close. All right, we're going to talk about weight this morning. I'm going to do this too. You know, I, as I prepare a message, I, I tend to write some scratch notes down, you know, through the week. And this week I had them out on my desk. And one morning, True came in, my grandson, and he ran in my office and he jumped in my chair, grabbed a pen and started scribbling all over my notes. But then he pretended he was reading it and he, he, he just was reading my notes and he threw in his own words as he went, God, this must be God in there. Pray, pray, you know. Anyway, he had all his little ideas of what Pops was writing on his notes. But I'm just going to give you what I, kind of looking at the message, what I want to get out of it. We're going to talk about waiting we're going to talk about dreams that God gives you. So the first thing I have is I want you to start dreaming. Start dreaming. Then I have down, God dreams are bigger than we are. Then I got down, these are just my random notes, telling you before we even go into the message what I want to get out of it. So God dreams are bigger than we are. We never measure up. Huh. It's not about us. It's not about perfectionism, okay? Uh, then, uh, do you ever have trouble reading your own writing? So I, I could blame it on true. This is where he scribbled, but it's really not. I just can't read it. Um, oh, yeah. God is for us. No matter what we do. He's for us. He's for us. He loves us. And God will speak to you so that you get it. Then I have down, stay in your lane. Pride and humility is, I don't know, whatever that means. Stay in your lane. Don't put yourself in God's place. 
And then I have the word wait. So anyway, that's what, that's what I expect us to get out of it today. I actually got a couple minutes here. Should I read you a joke? <laughs> so there's this physician, medical doctor, told a story about his 14-year-old daughter, or his four-year-old daughter, I'm sorry, not 14, say four. four. Got to make it straight. So they're on their way to preschool, and the doctor left his stethoscope on the car seat, and the little girl picked it up and began playing with it. Pride welling up in his heart, he thought, my daughter wants to follow in my footsteps. Yeah. Then the child took the instrument and said, welcome to McDonald's. May I take your order? <laughs> Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Tell you what, if you're working at McDonald's, rise to the top. Manage that thing. I remember we had Bob Harrison come in quite a few years ago. It was a, it was a privilege we had him. He was in the area, and he, he asked us if we'd like to have him speak. And Bob is a, speaks all over. He speaks to churches with tens of thousands. He, he spoke in our church. And uh, someone asked him in the foyer, he says, what would you, you know, he was talking about God prospering you. And, and uh, someone asked him, well, what would you do if, if you know, like you're in, you know, Back in the day, you got thrown in a concentration camp. How would God prosper you there? I thought, whoa. I'm thinking, whoa, that's a tough one, Bob. He said, I'd, I'd rise to the top no matter where I'm at. I'd be like Joseph. I'd rise up. I'd rise up. I'd let the gift of God that's in me cause me to prosper. You know, God wants to prosper you. He wants you to rise up. And, and, you know, and how that looks is going to be different for every person because we're all unique in such a good way. But I'll tell you what, there is a flavor, there is a, a, a scent of God in our lives. There's, a, there's something that he wants to do in us and through us that's beyond what we could ever imagine. Okay? Psalm 126, 1 through 3 is what I'm going to read here. It says, And when the Lord brought back the, the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream." That's what I want. I want to be like those who dream. I want to be free to have hope in this life. I want to be free to let God put his thoughts in my mind, in my heart, and, and know there's a plan. Isn't it good to know there's a purpose for your life? We used to have an Australian shepherd for many years until he went to dog heaven. It's the same as people heaven, I think. But, uh, uh, you know, he... Uh, He's a great dog. He's, a, he's like a legend. And he was, he's an Australian shepherd. And, and one of the things, I don't know if this is true about every dog, but I know it's true about Aussies, is they always want to know their purpose. So if we go somewhere, if we took him to a, a family get-together, it's like he'd want to know, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And then he'd want to know, when are we leaving? Because I don't want to be left alone. I don't want to be left behind, you know. That was especially true when we went to the vet. Kaylee, you'll hear. God bless you vets. But, uh, you know, I like to know my purpose. I want to have a dream. I want it to be a God dream. I want him to put things in me that he wants me to walk out in this life. It says, then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. And then uh, they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things. The Lord has great, done great things for us and we're glad. I guess I'd say this, that one thing about a God dream 
is that's a, that's the fruit of it. He, there's a there's a joy that comes into you in a God dream. You start thinking about the things God is calling you to in life. There's a joy that wells up. There's laughter that wells up. There's a peace and there's a encouragement. It's not it's not a you know rain on your parade type of dream. Okay. Now, I'm not just talking about the dream that you have at night. You know, there's dreams that you have. You could fall asleep and, and, and have a, a dream. You know, sometimes God speaks to people that way. Sometimes pizza speaks to you that way, too. So you need to discern the difference. But what I'm really kind of zeroing in on this morning is more the dream where God gives you vision. He shows you things. And, and I believe he gives us all purpose. I believe he gives us all, you know, uh, thoughts that come from him. Thoughts that are higher than our thoughts. Sometimes I think people in this life get so stressed out they're not in a position to dream. You know? They get overcome by the, the, the cares of the world. And I would say this to you and to me too. is Spending time with God, spending time in his presence, puts us in a position to dream with him. Okay? S super simple, but I'll tell you that's what I'm going to say anyway. Galatians 6 if you'll turn there, in verse 7, I'll read through 9. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting, or everlasting life. Verse 9 is where I wanted to go. And let's not be weary, or let us not grow weary in while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. So the thing about God dreams and dreams that he puts in our hearts is, is that, you know, to me they've always come like a glimpse you know, I'll see a, a, a glimpse of where I'm supposed to go. And, and just because I've seen the glimpse doesn't mean it's going to happen today. Okay? You out there? You hear that? God shows us these glimpses, you know, and, and I don't know why with me anyway. I'll just speak from my experience. It doesn't seem like I have the whole picture at the beginning. Okay? But it's like I get more as I go. Okay? I'll get a step, and, and I take that step, and then I might see the next step. And, you know, maybe sometimes sometimes seeing a couple steps down the way can almost be detrimental if, it, if I let it trip me up. This is me talking about me. But he gives you a glimpse, and it's, it's, it's future-dated, okay? doesn't mean it isn't real. It means that, hey, you need to walk this thing out. You got to, you know, there's things that he has for you. And just because you don't have them at the very moment you're, you're living right now doesn't mean they're not real and doesn't mean that he isn't working in your life. Don't get tripped up by what you see out here, you know. Walk in the groove with him and, 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 and draw on his presence. I want to spend some time this morning talking about Abraham. You know, we're, we're doing this series called Wait, and, and uh, I know Pastor Stephen and I have kind of said, well, who do we talk about with Wait? And, and we had a list of some people, and one of them on our list was Abraham, because there's definitely a story in here about Wait. So as I read this, and as I talk about this this morning, remember the word Wait, as well as the other six things I mentioned before we started, okay? But uh, Wait, 
So, you know, first thing we talked about is, you know, I want us to dream. I want us to find ourselves in a position where we're with God and, and, and drawing on Him. Becoming, he's becoming real to us and we can afford to dream. We can be, afford to look beyond the present and look into the future and what it looks like with Him. Okay? So Abraham was, was one who God spoke to and gave him purpose. And in verse 17 of Romans 4, I'll just read you the New Testament account before we go to the Old Testament. But in Romans 4, verse 17, it says, As it is written, I, I've made you a father of many nations. So this is God talking to Abraham. He's given him the dream. I've made you a father of many nations. Now, you know, when he spoke this to Abraham, Abraham was not a father of even a person, okay? He, he wasn't in this position that God was speaking to him. You see, God will speak you know, he'll give you things that are bigger than you are, that go beyond your present circumstances, okay? That's one way you can tell a God dream, too, is because it's, it takes him to bring it to pass, okay? This isn't something I can all figure out and put all the tinker toys in the right direction and make it happen. No, I need God in this thing. So it says... Uh, in, in the presence of him who he, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't God funny how he does these things? Who contrary to hope, in hope believes so that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Again, at this point, Abraham doesn't even have a child. And God's speaking to him, talking about being a father of nations talking about his descendants. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. You know, you don't talk to a guy who's pushing 100 about his kids. Then he doesn't have any kids, okay? But God does this stuff. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, you know, Sarah was an old woman too, older. I'll say older, huh? <laughs> All right. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That is such a key verse. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Isn't that something? God doesn't just throw out words and say, hey, that sounds good. Get a jacket. Get a t-shirt made like this. Yeah. No, he gives you words that he is able to perform. And, and it says this in verse 22 that, you know, because Abraham grasped this like this, said it was accounted him for righteousness. God saw Abraham, saw his heart, you know, and, and, and he said, man, this is, this is what, did, what did Jody say? The car is working good, it's righteous or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's righteous. God says, yeah, Abraham, righteous, yeah. All right, Genesis 12. Verse 1, I'm going to read you just some, some snippets of Genesis that talk about the life of Abraham and talking about it in relation to the dream he has and all these other things that I said we're going to get out of this as we go through it, okay? It says, and God told Abram, now notice this, you know, you guys probably know this, that, that Abram uh, was his name and God changes his name later on. We'll talk about that. But right here, his name is Abram. And, and uh, he says, leave your country, your family, your father's home for a land 
that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation and bless you. And I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. And I'm reading this out of the Message Bible. I just felt like it was more. I've got a lot of scriptures to read. And I put it in the Message because it's just kind of a story reading version. I'm not saying the Message is the only version you can read or anything like that. Okay? Got to qualify everything. But uh, frankly, I usually read the New King James. But uh, here it is in the Message. It says, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Wow. What a load God put on Abram. You know? Then in verse chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Then a famine came to the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live. And it was a hard famine. As he drew near Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, her name was Sarai back here. You know, God changed her name too later on. He said, Look, we both know you're a beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, Aha, that's his wife. Let's kill him but they'll let you live. Do me a favor. Tell them you're my sister because of you. See, I don't even make these things up. You read this stuff, you know, it's like reality TV gone wild or something, and this is the Bible. You know, it's so plain. He tells us exactly. But, but you know, what, what I want to see here, you know, Abraham, um, you know, had made this deal with his wife saying that, you know, you're my sister so they don't kill me and take you or whatever. Everything Abram did, although, you know, I'm not in any way knocking him, but he didn't do it all perfect. Hello. He didn't do it all perfect. God worked through imperfect beings, just like you and me. Just like sometimes, you know, I don't know, I remember even when I first got born again, you know, and I was diving into the Bible, you know, and reading about these men and women of God, and especially in the Old Testament. And in my mind, I had them built up to be superheroes. Like, my goodness, you know, they ran in the phone booth and came out and saved the world or something. And they did do amazing things. I'm not taking away from them, but the truth is there are people like you and me. They had flesh just like you and I have flesh. They missed it sometimes. I remember going into this funk I think it was back in the 80s where I, I just, I felt like I had just missed God. How did you miss God? Well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone to be a missionary in Haiti. That was really a plaguing thought that I had. You know, you hear me tell stories about being in Haiti and, you know, having witch doctors for neighbors and all that kind of stuff, you know. But honestly, I came back from Haiti and, and I had to regroup and, and, and find a path of life you know, uh, it was like an identity that I had being the missionary and I had, came back and I, all of a sudden I wasn't the missionary and now who am I? I got to find my way again. And I had these thoughts come at me like, my goodness, you know, did I totally miss God by, by going on that, that adventure? And, you know, what, what are you going to do with me now? How's the plan going to come about? What, what's, what's up with me? Am I just, did I blow it so bad that I can't get into the groove again? I had these thoughts. Probably went on for months. And, and God finally spoke to me in a way that I could understand it. Get this. I, I, I had made the tr trip 
many times from Minneapolis to Tulsa because that's where I went to Bible school. I went down in, in a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I, I, I jokingly say this, that I could make that trip in my sleep, but the reality is I did fall asleep once in Kansas City, and I stayed on the road. I, I, I did miss the turn, but I was able to double back. Woke up. Everything was fine. Anyway, cruise control, all that. But uh, this was before AI cars or whatever. But but any case, that said, I knew the way really well. I knew all the roads without my Google Maps. They didn't even have Google. You know, this was ancient days. You know, if you were if you were really living, you had a AAA triptych map or something. But uh, I knew that road, and God spoke to me, and He said this to me, and I understood it. He said, Paul. If you were going to Tulsa and you ended up in Nebraska, nothing wrong with Nebraska, okay? Go Cornhuskers, all that, whatever. But that isn't the way from Minneapolis to Tulsa. Not once in my journey from Minneapolis to Tulsa did I ever go to Nebraska, okay? But God said to me, if you ended up in Nebraska, I could still get you to Tulsa. Do you hear me this morning? You didn't miss it. You didn't miss it so bad that God can't make you get where you need to be just when you need to be there. So Abram, uh, you know, he told Sarah this. And then in verse 14, it says, um, When Abram arrived in Egypt, the Egyptians took one look and saw his wife was stunningly beautiful. And, you know, uh, anyway, Pharaoh and his princes raved over her to Pharaoh, and she was taken to live with Pharaoh. So you know, when you're going through life and, you know, you didn't do everything right, you had some imperfections in your, your walk and everything, put your eyes on Jesus. I wanted to say this. Don't let condemnation rob you from the dream God put in your heart. Okay? Now, again, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, that you should go out and just, just you know, be a goof-off or something or, you know, not try to do right. I need God's grace to do right. I need his grace every day I live to walk in the place he's called me to. I'm not trying to miss it. I'm trying to get it. But we, even if you did, don't let condemnation rob you. I think it's one of the biggest uh, thieves out there is people just get, get, get laid down and, and, and paralyzed. That's probably the word I want. They get paralyzed in life because of this nagging voice saying they don't measure up. None of us measure up. It's only through what Jesus did for us that we can stand. It's only through his grace, his mercy, that we can do or be anything in this life. All right. Good preaching, Pastor Paul. Yay. All right. Woo-hoo. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 16, it says, because of her, Abraham got along very well. You know, even when you're missing it, there's a fleshly favor. But thank God there's a godly favor too. There's a godly favor that will cause you to abound in, even in this life. He accumulated sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys. This is wealth in Abram's day. Men and women, servants, camels. Uh, you know, God hit Pharaoh hard because of, of Abram's wife, uh, Sarai, and everybody in the palace got seriously sick. Pharaoh called for Abram. 
what's this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me she's your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So I took her as my wife. Here's your wife back. Take her and get out. And Pharaoh ordered him, his men, and Abraham to get out of the country. They sent him and his wife and everything he owned on their way. Then in chapter 13, it says Abraham left Egypt and he went back to, the message says it this way, Negev. I don't know if I said that right, but he and his wife and everything he owned. And Lot was still with him. And, and uh, by now, uh, Abraham was very rich, loaded with cattle and silver. And he moved from the Negev, camping along the way, to Bethel. The place he had first set up his tent between Bethel and, and, and I and built his first altar. And Abram prayed there to God. And Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also rich in sheep and cattle and tents. But the land couldn't support both of them. They had too many possessions. How, how, how much wealth did that look like? They had so much that the land couldn't even support the both of them. Uh, you know, of course, if you're like me, you grew up watching westerns, and you know, there's I know there's a famous John Wayne, and I, I can't do his imitation, but he says this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and he's talking to the bad guy in the town. You know, well, here here's where it came from: the land wasn't big enough for Lot and Abram because they had so much stuff. Okay, they hadn't done the Marie Kondo thing, they hadn't downsized all that, but they had all of it. And they, they couldn't both live there. Quarrels broke out between Abram's shepherds and Lot's shepherds, and the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and also uh, were also living on the land at the time. So, as Abraham walks out the dream, more pieces come together. That's how it's always been for me. You know, it's like I have to take a step. I'll get something, you know, that, that I see a direction, and, and it's as I go, I know. You know, it's uh, it's it's funny how God works. You know, it's, it's important that you find the way God works with you. And sometimes I learn more by when I miss it than when I did it right. Because when I miss it, I go, wow, I get it. I, sh you know, I should, I should, I should. I, you know, I don't get off it and live in that place, but I do recognize, my goodness, yeah, that's what it's like. There's an uh, there's an uh, in the inside of me instead of a, yeah, a joy and a peace. Yeah, following God. Knowing as I go, it's just like when we, we had the word that we were going to come here to Menominee, or we didn't even have the word. We just knew we were leaving, going somewhere. And I went to a, a place in a neighboring town because there was a church that needed a pastor. This is back in the 1999. It was actually in 2000. And I went there and had Dana and the two girls. They were young. And we got there and we pulled up to this church. Goodness, they had a church. They had a building. There was people in this place. They needed a pastor. Here I am. I'm here. You know, we went there when nobody was there because I know things when I go. And we pulled up. And I really didn't even need to get out of the car. Dana didn't get out of the car. She sat in the car. I got out and I walked around, peered in the windows. Thank God nobody thought I was a creep looking in. But, but you know, I'm doing what I need to do to, to just settle it in my heart. But I... I got back and I said, man, this is not it. It's not the place. We knew it was just like our, our spirits were like, oh. Just because one place isn't the place doesn't mean that God has rejected you. Doesn't mean that there isn't a plan, you know. And it was as we got back in the car and drove back from that place to uh, Minneapolis where we lived at the time, that's when Dana said me that famous line. She says, Paul, I don't know if it means anything, but 
For two years, when I pray in tongues, I say the word Menominee. I hear myself say it. I said, wow. I said, I think that is a town. I think it is. It sounds like a city. I think we go through it. And sure enough, we drove in on exit 45, drove, drove through, saw this crazy thing called a Culver's. I'd never seen one before in my life. I said, wow, this is all right. <laughs> drove fresh made burgers, yeah. Anyway, drove through town. It was, it was right time of year. We just saw a pretty lake on the, you know, city on the lake. Everything smelled good at that point. And um, God, God's tricky, isn't he? I remember we drove all the way through the town. I went into the Perkins, which was still there, and I, they had phone books back then. That'll date you. And uh, I looked in the phone book to see what kind of churches there were in this town, and I didn't see any that were exactly like us. So I said, cool. The next day I called Rama, which is where I'm from, where I'm ordained with. I said, this is what I'm thinking. I said, yeah, I'm thinking about this town, Menominee. And uh, I said, it seems good in my heart. And they said, Yep, seems good to us too. Go for it. Pretty much how it happened. That's the nutshell version. <laughs> Any case, God's got a place for you. It might not be the first place you think, but he has a place for you. So Genesis 15, it says, After all these things, this word of God came to Abram in a vision. He said, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Abram, I'm your shield, your reward will be grand. Abram said, God, Master, what, what uh, use are these gifts as long as I'm childless and Eliezer of Damascus is going to inherit everything? Abram continued. You ever talk like that to God? <laughs> I, I've had some talks with him like that. See, you've given me no children. There's, there's, there's now a mere house servant is going to get it all. Then God's message came, don't worry. He won't be your heir. A son from your body will be your heir. Then he took him outside and said, look at the sky. Count the stars. Can you do it? Count your descendants. You're going to have a big family, Abram. So what I love about that is God does know how to speak to you and me. I like that he had to show Abram pictures. Look at this. Look at the sky. And later he says, look at the sands. Can you count them? You can't do it. It's beyond your scope. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. He'll enlarge your vision, give you joy, give you hope. Um, he'll speak to you in a way that you'll get it. You know, if you don't get it the first time, hey, join the club. He has to speak things over to me a few times usually. I wish I could say I'm so sharp that, you know, I, I hear a breath and I'm like, yeah. But it's, it's those things that he keeps bringing back over and over again. And I'm like, okay, God, all right, make it plain. I prayed this so many times. I say, God, make it so plain I couldn't miss it if I tried. Not that I'm trying to miss it. But that's how plain I want you to make it to me. Just make it so clear, Lord. He'll do that for you. He'll show you pictures. He'll show you things that speak to you. Then it says, Sarah, Abram's wife, hadn't produced a child. And she had an Egyptian maid named Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, God has not seen fit to let me have a child. Sleep with my maid. Maybe I can get a family from her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. My goodness, again, I didn't write this stuff. I'm just reading it, okay?
So Sarai, Abram's wife, uh, so, so Sarai, Abram's wife, took the Egyptian maid Hagar and gave her to her husband Abram as a wife. Abram had been living ten years in Canaan when, when uh, this. Abram had been living 10 years in Canaan when this took place, and he slept with Hagar, and she got pregnant. When Hagar learned she was pregnant, she looked down on her mistress. So what happened when they followed the flesh to accomplish the will of God is it caused friction in the home, okay? When we try to make it happen, it opens a door for negativity in our life, okay? What's the, what's the message we're talking about? We're talking about weight. Why would people do what Abram and, Abram and Sarai did? It's because my flesh wants things now. When I don't get it now, then my mind wanders to think things that aren't true, like, is it really going to happen? I want it now. I'm going to jump to ver chapter 17. God's timing, I've realized this, it doesn't match my timing sometimes. I don't know why that is. But just because it doesn't match your timing, don't quit on the dream that he gave you. Genesis 17, it says this, When Abram was 99 years old, God showed up and said to him, I'm the, I like that, God showed up. He said to him, I'm the strong God, live entirely before me, live life to the hilt. I'll make a covenant between us, and I'll give you a large family. Overwhelmed, Abram fell on his, flat on his face. See, by this time, Abram probably felt like a failure. Sometimes, you know, you feel like a failure, but God sees you like a champion. God hasn't quit on you. God said to him, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham meaning that I'm making you the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. I'll make you a father of fathers. I'll make, you, uh, make nations from you. Kings will issue from you. I'm establishing my covenant between me and you, a covenant that includes your descendants, a covenant that goes on and on and on, a covenant that commits me to be your God and the God of your descendants. And I'm giving you, your descendants, this land, where you're now just camping, the, this whole country of Canaan, to own forever, and I'll be their God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So here's the deal. Stay in your lane. Don't try to be God in making a dream come to pass. It doesn't mean you don't ever do anything. God said, Abraham, come, go, and he went, okay? This message is called wait. We've joked and said maybe the next message will be Go. Because he says all those things, but what's he saying to you right now? Stay in your lane. Wait for the dream that God put in you. Now, I, I, I've just got two verses I want to read, and then we're going to stop today. But Hebrews 11, 11, I just can't go without reading this. Because Sarah, Sarah was later named, changed to Sarah, uh, you know, and in any case, it says this. When, by faith, in Hebrews 11, 11, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. And I love this. It says, because she judged him faithful who promised. Sometimes, if you're like me, you're just looking for something to hang on to. You know, you're walking through life. You have a dream in your heart. 
haven't seen that dream come to pass yet. You're waiting on God. What do I do while I'm waiting? Well, one thing I'd say for sure is grab onto this, that God is faithful. That'll take you a long way. That'll take you into the promise. If you can just grab onto that, that he's faithful. Judge him faithful who promised. Then I'm going to come back to Galatians 6, 9, and we'll read this and we'll close. I've just got three different versions of Galatians 6, 9. The black welder says this, let's not lose heart in doing what's good. For the pro at the proper season, we shall reap if we don't relax our efforts. The wand translation says, do not tire of your good efforts. In due time, we shall have a harvest if we persevere. Then the Phillips, J.B. Phillips Bible says this, let's not grow tired of doing good for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. So in life, don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on the dream in your heart. There is a due season coming. Wait. Wait for it. How long is a due season? Well, a due season's usually longer than my flesh wants it to be. But God is faithful. He'll bring it to pass.